Welcome, Path Folk, to After Party 21, where we discuss the incredibly um, unexpected events <laughs> of the previous three episodes. Yes. We're, we're still in shock, honestly. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Covering we, episode we 61, a... 62, 63. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much, that, so much good stuff and horrible awfulness. <laughs> Depending on which side of the table you're on. <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a bunch of horrible awfulness. I hope much. it's all good stuff for all of our listeners. Yeah, That's hopefully you important. guys enjoy it because we're being tortured slowly for your entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes not even slowly. That's true. Uh, so, yeah. Our, uh, covering 61, 62, 63. So 61 was the tail end of the fight against the zombies when you guys had your... Uh, uh, 42 zombies fight. Yes, oh, when yes. you had your confrontation with the leader of the Cult of the Forgotten Pharaoh. Uh, also the leader of the Silver Chain. Merit Hector. Sort of. Yeah, which was surprisingly easy. Yeah, the fight against Merit. So... That fight. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just cannot literally roll for the cultists. I can't That's fine. get any spells off for the cultists. Phrasma uh, just doesn't favor the cultists. Yeah. That's right. I had my fun little Sobex. They were fun. We need them with us all the time. Her whole thing is like summoning creatures. Even when she got the summon spell off, they went down ridiculously fast. Oh. Um, her bardic performance barely actually even helped the cultists roll. DC. It was just kind of a wash. Mm. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that side episode. <laughs> yeah, sad for sad for Rick. But I mean, hey, it finally finished that arc that you guys have been dealing with uh, Merit Hetef in the background and the Silver Chain and the Cult of the Forgotten Pharaoh in the background this whole time. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of curious to ask how many of you thought that it might not be the ghouls tracking all of you and that it was the Silver Chain. I or? thought it was the ghouls. Yeah, I did too. I also thought it was ghouls. Yeah. Yeah. Did not see or just other coming. random undead or something keeping an eye on what was considered their territory in the necropolis. I didn't yeah. even think about the silver chain following us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kept being kind of curious of whether or not you deviate and go. It's like it's like you see a shadow of someone moving through this building. It's like I run over there and attack. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cultists. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that's kind of not really our style as no. players to to just go off kind of half cocked with stuff. So we we tend to like wait for things to come like be overtly in our way unless we're like hunting something we're like the smart people in the horror movie that don't immediately go toward the danger in the dark that's fair yeah, yeah. we don't run up the stairs we're the survivors no. someone made a comment previously that uh that i blend what seems to be background descriptive text and actual descriptive text to the point that sometimes it's hard to tell when it's when it's one or the other so it's like was i setting the mood with Telling you that there's creepy things moving through the shadows around you, or was it an actual thing? Like hint. Well, there were actually so, things. Yeah, there actually were things. There's always an actual thing there if you want to go and investigate. Yeah, maybe we have. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say maybe we have a. We're more used to it, but like I can kind of tell the difference between like we're being kind of guided towards something we should investigate versus something where that's just like flavor text. Side quest. Yeah, the, yeah, the the optional oh, side, side quest, quest uh, kind of stuff. Because like you know, a good example is like the these tiles have got to be coming from somewhere. Thing from like episode sixty three mm-hmm. was a really good example of like being guided towards maybe you a, should... a cool room with a cool item yeah. in it more so yeah. than just like oh that's just something I'm just positing out there just to kind of like as much as I tried to guide you in the direction of that dance hall you guys didn't take the bait on that yeah because uh, we're not yeah. stupid we're <laughs> well, like not stupid the problem like, is, the problem two is people at Paizocon asked me idea. if we were going to go back and go in there and I'm like no <laughs> no <laughs> why would we do that that's that's one of those like whenever you hit like the end of the adventure path and you're like huh what can we do to extend the adventure path we'll go down in there and kick some butt yeah we're not going to do that anytime soon no 
Uh, we have more important things to do. I've already fought undead in a dance hall in another AP. I don't want to do it again. That's true. Yeah, that was not a good time. So following that, you guys went into uh, that episode ended with you confronting the Festrogs. Yeah. Yes. Where yeah. We, and we had completed the Indiana Jones tile puzzle. Yeah, oh, the Indiana Jones yeah. tile puzzle. It also reminded me of that puzzle in Baldur's Gate 2 where you had to walk across the tiles and spell the god's name correctly to get across. Otherwise, it's like, kind of a classic trap you know, yeah. of navigate these tiles in a correct order. I, yeah, I liked the, the twist on the calendar yeah. uh, thing. Like I thought that was a really good twist because of the you know numerous calendars that have changed over time in like our history as well. Yeah. I thought that was a good touch. Yeah, then you guys face the uh, the Festerox, so the the trend of Creepies. disease causing undead continued. Yeah, I I, I like Festerog. I think Festerog are one. It was really thematic, but also uh, they're it's they're kind of like ghoul adjacent in my mind. Yeah. It's kind of like a ghoul, but it's a dog. Well, it's person. also one of those things that when you play this game a lot, like we do, it's like oh, it's ghouls. And so it was kind of nice to be like, oh, it's it's actually something I haven't fought in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Also, just as a way to like kind of divvy it up, because I've definitely done whole adventure path books that have been a little, they feel too samey because there's too much of the same stuff. And so it's always good to have something to kind of oh, like well, know, change it up. And but, a head in a cage is never going to feel samey. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. That was hilarious. As a, as a segue to just, because everybody Episode really just wants 62. to talk about the head. Rick, I want to know everything there is to know about that head because that was the coolest. Uh, sure, I can let you in on a couple of things behind the scenes on it. Because I think that uh, was a unique undead, wasn't it? Yes, she unique. actually is a, a unique undead creature. Ah, super cool. Um, she was my the, the, grandma. The, the like first gaze and like the all that was like super. I weird know. I just loved that on her. It was able to kidnap her. Oh, definitely. <laughs> too, yeah. Albeit temporarily, but it was still. Good. If he had gotten to actually do that thing where he flew around with her, that would have been amazing. Yeah, but like one of my favorite, least favorite things is the Pugwampy, you know, uh, misfortune thing. Like it's, it's awful, but it just causes chaos, which sometimes chaos can be real fun as a player and as a GM. Yeah, but when you're level one and you're fighting a Pugwampy, it's like, ah! Oh, no, yeah, I know. You're just flailing ineffectively at stuff, but it was it really interesting. Yeah. The, uh... The big takeaways of what she had. Um, first off, that was her hateful glare. <laughs> was her uh, unluckability, which was really... It's another one of those occasions where, as much as I have been, honestly, on kind of a cold streak for the last good while, the, I think the mummy fight was the last time that I truly challenged the party with the two mummies. Where I mean, I was we are going to well. we potentially die in this fight. Kind hey, of you're still yeah. using up our yeah. resources with this yeah. stuff. Don't worry. Yeah. But the cultists have been kind of laughable. I actually got in a surprisingly a good number of licks with the zombies. And then we got into this fight, and it was another one of those, if four members of the party had failed to save against the hateful glare, mm-hmm. that would have been a completely different fight than yeah. only one member of the party fails the check. And the same one as the, as the one that gets confused and wants to attack her friends. So. Yeah. Well, she targeted you because you failed, because you yeah. had to roll twice on your will saves. Yep. Uh, although it also had the double-edged sword of you were then rolling twice on your attack rolls as well, but... You had a favorite enemy bonus, so you were still pretty good at hitting Citra, even taking that. Beyond that, she had a bite attack, which also bestowed curse, (laughs) which is just fun. It is is permanent, too. It's it's an actual bestowed curse, minus four penalty on ability rolls, saving throws, ability checks, and skill checks. I have enough curses to deal with right now. I don't need that, Yeah, one more curse, which would be a lot of fun. I just like that uh, she gets a bite attack and she's being flailed around on their chain. She's on her. a chomp chain. Yeah, she's, we were saying she was a chain chomp. Yeah, she's very much a chain chomp. 
Yeah, the neat thing about that gilded cage is it's a, quote, a, a small golden cage etched with mystical sigils and soaked in alchemical reagents, which is why yeah. it gives her as strong of an armor class bonus as it did, because yeah. it was actually giving her a plus four armor class bonus. Jeez. Wow. Ah. Nice. Um, you could have feasibly sundered it, which would have made it so that she could no longer be used as a weapon and reduce her armor class. But Isn't she yeah. just a head rolling around on the ground? She, she has a five foot roll speed. <laughs> roll speed. As she rolls over, uh, since she's tiny size, she would roll over into your square and then bite onto your ankle and bestow a curse, uh, which is pretty great. Golly. Little ankle biter. Uh, and, <laughs> and really the last thing that she had kind of going for her was uh, she was a six level oracle. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. In life and in death. So, Jeez. Goodness. He probably put her up here because he's tired of listening to her. Well, and that, so the undead skeletons and the undead head could constantly communicate and scribe down all of her visions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just like, nervous. you deal with my grandmother. <laughs> I just like the idea that, like, you raise a skeleton champion and they're like, ah, I'm, I'm you know, semi-intelligent. And it's like, what, what is my purpose, master? I want you to take all of her mad ravings and just write it down. But, but, but I have a sword and a shield. Like, I can fight. No, no, I need, I need you to just write down everything she says. But... She's saying literally nonsense. No, no, write it down. It's valuable. <laughs> I like to think how angry those skeletal champions are because they're like, ah, oh, my bony fingers can't hold this quill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no grip. Also, then we read her stuff and we learned a lot of things about how she was a terrible person. Yep. And how she was actually really terrible to the grandson who was a bastard. Yep, Nebta Kufri. And your mom ran away. Yep, and we all were like, yep, that's why. I get it. She was terrible. Yeah, there, there's a there's a pattern there. If everybody starts leaving your life, maybe self-examination is in order. Like, it's a problem. <laughs> well, no, but and, she's a narcissist. It's not her problem. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely, theirs. definitely true. Yeah. Well, and it was just all that. It was his fault that he didn't have oracular powers and wasn't born a sorcerer. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, her, like, her, learning like, to be a wizard is over, good like, sorcerers versus wizards is ridiculous. It's way harder to be a wizard. Like, sorcerers is kind of easy mode. It's like, oh, I was just born with it. Like, Wizard's like, like, no, I went to school for, like, 10 years and, like, studied extensively on, like, hand gestures and, like, incantations. Yeah, that's been kind of an interesting thing that's floated around since the birth of 3.0. Because it was kind of hardwired into the player's guide for 3.0 that sorcerers kind of look down on wizards because you don't have this innate talent. I was just born with this and you just kind of have to work on it and all the rest of that. And conversely wizards are like you were just gifted this and you didn't actually have to work for anything so and so that was kind of like hardwired into the original dna of 3.0 i think it's kind of moved away from that now where it's it's the outlier where there's the wizard that looks down his nose at a sorcerer just spontaneously having powers or the sorcerer that screw you old man shaking their fists at the wizards but i think we also moved away from old human wizards with long white beards and (laughs) sexy sorcerers yeah True. Well, I mean, uh, there's still sexy sorcerers. I'm gonna say, except for the iconics. Yeah, it's like the iconics <laughs> are actually both of those things. Yeah, they are both of those things. But <laughs> Ezra and Sione are both interesting characters. And Onuris finally found the proof he's been looking for. That's that true. You existed. Yeah. yeah. That'll come into play more when he goes and says goodbye to his family. By goodbye, the way, mother. I exist. You show piece paper. I Here's will. proof that I was right all the long, all along, and I never loved you. I mean, yes, that's exactly what he's going to say. Well, you know. That sounds like on yours. <laughs> With a sigh in, in for good measure. And the birds okay, but how does that prove anything? Like People already knew that you existed. No, this is the proof he needs from his mother that to give show his mother that he actually 
He is actually on Eurus, like the reincarnated spirit yeah. of I mean, a former he... pharaoh, like the whole thing. There's a paper trail now, at it, least. And it also kind of resolves some of your campaign trait where you were searching for proof. That my family was descended from the pharaohs. Yes. The Moffreys have always claimed it, but this is now actual proof that they were, in fact, descended from the well, Jaredit. Proved you got married. I don't know. Did you have any babies? Oh. Won't we have to find out? <laughs> there wasn't a glorious event for that in the, uh, yeah, you know, the record books. Yeah. So who knows? You didn't ask to look for that. Well, I already know the answer to those questions. Yeah, Everyone else is the one that has to wait and see. Oh, I see. Well, the answer's uh, got to be how yes, conven- or else how, how else did your family line continue on? Valid point. Anyway, so yeah, you found out uh, some interesting information. You found uh, the ramblings of a mad woman scribbled down on a sheet of paper. Now we're uh, going to have to go to the elemental temples of evil. Yeah, the, or the something, yeah. So. Um, yeah, and then we uh, got transported away. Well, yeah, well, we went downstairs. There, there, was, uh, there was the tile room, which was kind of fun. The, um, the fact that we had to go up and down eight flights of stairs <laughs> to get past that trap was just like... Uh, Better than triggering that trap. Oh, no, better than triggering the trap, but it's also one of those moments where, like, your adventurers, you're kind of, like, hopped up on adventure juice, and you're like, I'm ready to go, (laughs) and I'm ready to fight and ready to do stuff, and then you get to this, and you're just like, you just, like, look at the stairs, and I just imagine, like, Sudi looking at the stairs going up, going, (sighs) and then all my, like, my desire goes out. I will say, anyone looking at trap design, definitely look at this one, because there's a mechanic to it you guys didn't get to explore. But I really loved it where it's tiles spin up in the air and then they launch through the air at you and they make an attack roll and all the rest of that. Uh, it does directly address in here that not only is there the bypass where if, if you guys had triggered it, it would have started attacking everyone but Sudi. Sudi yep. would have just stood there impervious to them because none of them would have gone against Yay. him. He's bearing a holy symbol, no. uh, which is kind of interesting just to start with. So you with. could kind of figure it out maybe. Yeah. And then the second one is you can actually ready in action every turn to sunder them as they fly at you. Oh, cool. So you can actually just stand there like you're a batter in a batter's cage, just swinging at these things and sundering them. I was like, that is really... And then there's specifically 20 tiles in the room, so there's only 20 attacks that it will make. Oh, nice. So you can feasibly just like stand in a you know a circle, like punching and kicking and swinging your swords at all these tiles as they come flying at you. Oh, like, interesting. The design of the trap I just really loved. Uh, I was fine with you guys bypassing as you did, but if you triggered it, it would have just been a whole lot of fun to run through that kind of thing. Yeah, we we don't need to have that those hits. To, Consume know. more of your resources. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So bypassing was good, but it is one of those things that like the bard is telling the tale. That's the part the bard skips is the part where then we had to backtrack up eight flights of stairs to get <laughs> yeah. some holy symbols off some festrogs and then like go back down. They just kind of hand wave it. That is yeah. about to be. A long, long run. Yeah, yeah and then the terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible thing happened. Oh, oh my Lord. goodness! Yes. That thing. And we can ask literally nothing about it in this after party because we're gonna fight it. I can, I can leave a little bit of information out here. Yay. I won't go into the creature. Force teleport um, though. So tell bad. us about where we are. So the the teleportation pulse. I love the idea of that as a mechanic. It's a whole lot of fun because it's a will save, and then just you're somewhere else. So a little behind the scenes on the mechanics there. Um, the D8 roll is directionality. Yep. I think Jordan said that to me off air. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, I knew what it was as soon as you started doing it. I was like, oh no. Yeah. It's the cardinal direction that the party, that the member teleports. The D10 roll is how many hundreds of feet. Oh, yep. no. oh I'm 900 feet away. <laughs> you've, you've been teleported 900 feet away from this. Yeah, so I'm like... 500 feet away. At least I'm not Um, underground 900 feet away. So actually, I made a list of a couple of places 
because uh, you're teleported based on cardinal directions and you're shunted if it would land you in an object. Mm -hmm. So you actually, your distance was reduced down. Technically, it's added up altogether if you're really looking at how far you need to run. But uh, you guys were shunted 900 feet or 700 feet in, uh, or 500 feet in Sudi's case. Um, Into brick. Basically, and then shot up. Yeah. Because you were down beneath the earth. But if you'd actually gone into the city when you scattered, you would have popped up in crypts, in tombs. Oh, God. Uh, so the, the thing <laughs> I was going to mention is uh, you actually are, if you rolled a 10, within range of the dance hall. No. So you might have just shunted out into the dance hall if, oh, if you rolled high enough. So I was just like, oh, there are all these amazing places that the party could just stumble back nope, into. Nope, just in the desert. <laughs> but nope, you uh, you both happen to roll seven, and so one, one, seven, and eight are, would all take you far enough to the north. Uh, if Sudi had actually rolled a four instead of a five, he would have been on the inside of the wall. Like, Sudi's yeah. in the shadow of the wall. Mm-hmm. Terrible. we running for like three episodes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a while. So, unfortunately, that means that at Segura's top running speed, it's going to be at least getting in there with a climb and everything else. It's going to be at least a minute. Yeah. It's going to either be a long, drawn-out fight. And that's assuming that you don't run into anything else on I your know. way back. I know. I'm like, oh, oh this, <laughs> If this weirdo skeletal guy doesn't have a holy symbol for asthma, we're running in the tile room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got through it once? Oh, the skeleton. The <laughs> yeah. skeleton. That's yeah. what I mean. You should like, do that anyway, for sure. Yeah. The tactical retreat is not out of the option at I mean, you're point. standing in front of a hallway where you don't know it goes. You could run down that way. Too. Oh, yeah, because that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm just I, saying. I, don't, I don't think going into the unknown is the best decision. I was going to say, didn't we talk about how we're the survivors in the horror shows? <laughs> yes, this has gone to survival. Oh, you can go hide in that mode. little room with the tiles. On the plus ah, side, Sudi's got a natural climb speed, so Sudi's probably going to get over that wall pretty fast. I yeah, I don't even have a grappling hook. I just have a rope, so I'm going to have to like figure it out. It's just going to be darn inconvenient to be teleported away in the middle of a fight. Can yeah. he do that again? Who knows? I hope not. Oh, man. Who knows? Well, and you're just running back in hoping that everybody's still alive. Yeah. Yeah, you, you basically just need to navigate past uh, most of the necropolis. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, random dice luck. Okay, this is going to be bad. Yikes. Because who rough. knows how many things we're going to run into. Oh, and back. then we're going to basically train them into... Uh, well, because now yeah. we're by ourselves running through the necropolis. Yeah, my, my only hope is that I'm faster than whatever is going to be chasing me. Yeah, because Segura's on the, you know, when she flashed in, she landed basically on the edge of where, like, the river, you know, comes up close to the oh, wall. Uh, Sudi is technically, Hippo. actually, I think, just at the edge of the veins. Hippo round two. Oh, okay. So you're actually near the uh, the slums districts where you used to run. Okay. So at least I kind of know where I am. Yeah. Which is all right. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Jeez. Oh, Cyrus. Oh, Cyrus. Oh, Cyrus. Oh, Cyrus. And we're still in the room with it. I don't know if that's better or worse, to be really honest. (laughs) We'll find out next time, unfortunately. All right. Yeah, uh, we'll have a lot of uh, exciting turnout, and hopefully Sagira and Sudi can get back in time, or Citra and Onuris can fight a fighting retreat up eight flights of stairs. I did post the, a picture of Heather's face at the conclusion of recording, not on Twitter. So. Yeah, so if you, if you saw that a few weeks back and you were curious. There you yeah. go. That's, that's her face of, oh, we are in such deep trouble. Yep. <laughs> All right, email one is from Graf and the boys from the Man Wastes. Cool. Hey, Graf. He says... Thanks so much for reading the letter. Boys got a kick out of it. Props to Jordan for reading my really long sentences. Yay! (laughs) 
You guys have really involved characters with elaborate backstories. Are you okay with getting killed? Has Rick ever killed a character? <laughs> uh, killed a character ignominiously. Mm. Would you, either Rick or the cast members who DM, ever fudge a role to protect a character because it wasn't their time? P.S. Jordan did two different great whisper voices. Deserve more love. Plus one for severe throat wound for Sudi. <laughs> Sudi needs a raspy voice now. Yep. So we are a smoker voice out here. Are you okay with getting killed? Let's do it one at a time. Are you okay, okay with getting killed? No. Um, am I okay with it? Yes. Do I want to be? No. Yeah, that's the answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I mean, liked I my. I can't really stop it. I don't want Onyris to die. I really, really love his backstory, but if, if you die, you die. Yeah. Yeah. I was so... gonna say I, I'm okay with dying if it's in a noble cause. You know, like mm. if you die because you were saving somebody or like you know if Sudi had died but had saved like you know 10 people like that's totally cool but if it's just like oh you just fell off a cliff and you died like that's my my things that I don't want to do is I don't want to drown I don't want to fall off of something because <laughs> I don't feel like those are heroic deaths yeah but I mean without the chance to die it's not really there's no tension there's no real stakes yeah yeah, yeah it, like well that, a good example is like with these cultist fights that have been kind of like uh, uh, not intentionally softball, but that's just kind of the way the dice have rolled. Like, eh, you know, it's not. It doesn't seem as interesting. Then when we're like, oh my goodness, I'm almost gonna die from this. Am I know? really worried about Onuris right now? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Because of the stakes, right? There's, 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 there's a terror party. Yeah. Jordan actually pretty well summed up my own views. Whenever I play, that uh, I'm fine with dying. I'm okay with dying if it's in like a dramatic way. Yeah. Like if it's a random encounter or something. No, I would be disappointed. But if it's my character facing off against the man who killed my father, and then I tackle him off the side of a bridge, and we plummet hundred feet down to the ground together to die, yeah, it's like no, that's that's an epic death, or saving another party member, or something like that. That an epic death is worth it. Yeah, it tells a good story. As far as far as do we fudge rolls because it's not nope, your no, time. no, 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 we never uh, fudge nope. rolls. The next question that is, is good yeah. roll. order. Has Rick ever killed a character? Yes. <laughs> it's yes. kind of ironic yes. that Jess is the one answering this question or <laughs> hosting this day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I've definitely lost a character to Rick. I lost a character epically, though, so like I didn't feel bad about it because it was an epic death. So I've lost a character because the witch couldn't make any rolls. You, that was okay, only no, no. part of it. You, you died a hero saving and, somebody uh, from drowning. And Jordan's character wouldn't get the rope out of his own bag. I feel like... I feel like Jordan has I'm more sorry. to do with that death than Ross's bad dice rolls. To, to I love Fonra Night Meadow so I, much. I think my favorite of, uh, there's not a good way to phrase this. I think my favorite of Jessica's character deaths <laughs> is the time that she was killed by an iron golem. Or sorry, she was knocked down into the negatives by an iron golem while suffering from the constitution damaging breath weapon and then was turned invisible oh, yeah. by a party oh, member yeah. and then died. <laughs> and then someone had to slide over with a breath of life but roll a 50% mischance because yeah. the object her body was was still invisible. Those were both Heather. Yeah. <laughs> also made me invisible but also then was like, what? I made the roll. Ketra lived. Ketra did come back to life. I killed her for a round but that was probably my favorite of the Jessica death moments. But uh, I'll I'll give you another, like, kind of one of the ones times that I died, speaking of Breath of Life. Uh, so I, like, we're literally going down through a dungeon, and, oh, like, okay. I trigger, a, I trigger, I guess, we'll just say I triggered a trap, and I'm dead. Like, that's just gone. Like, from full hit points to death, the moment that I, I realized I was dead, I was just like, this is the sh death ever. <laughs> 
and it Jordan was, Breath of Life me back up, and I was like, oh, thank, I was yeah. like, thank goodness, because I was just like, this is the worst. And Jordan learned his lesson about playing eight Constitution sorcerers. <laughs> <laughs> also that, also that. Always have a ten. Don't do that. Yeah, a twelve is best if you can. Yeah, I, was just, I, think, I don't think I've actually done one with a ten in a long time. Yeah, getting a negative constitution modifier for a D6 hit die class is... Yeah, is that was not my Did not you have, like, move. 50 hit points I ever? Think, I think, I think he had 50 hit points by, like, 17th level. Yeah, That's what I was, was going to say. say. I, like, I might have, I might have even... crested 75 by the God. end. I just remember baboons would take that character down. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I spent, uh, Every other fight, I think I went down at least once. He, he was, like, a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> I, but I was, I was the ultimate glass cannon, because, like, I would just, like, blast out stuff and then, like, draw fire and be down, like, after the first hit. And then freak out because... He's Go bleeding fighter. out, and then he's like, "It's like I'm bleeding out, and I only have an eight constitution." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would you ever fudge a roll to protect a character because it wasn't their time? No, no, because it, obviously it was their time if their dice rolled that way. For yep. asthma, I Bless yeah, I think for all the players, I mean, they know that I don't tolerate fudging. Uh, it's it's cheating. It's what it is. No, you know, yeah. it's a nice word for it, but it's cheating. As far as behind the the screen, no, I don't like. I think that a character's time is dependent upon their actions and they wouldn't be in the situation that they were in if it weren't for their own course of action. Sometimes you just get a string of bad dice rolls and that's what happens. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to drag out a character for another couple of sessions or I, I think I saw somewhere where someone suggested that if like if a character would die, fudge the die roll, but then guarantee that they die in a dramatically appropriate fight, like in the next couple of sessions... Uh, and I'm like, no, because that's not only are you lying about the initial role, but then you're gunning for a character, yeah, which are weird. both kind of no-nos. Yeah, um, the, the fudging thing for me is it's better to not fudge anything yeah. because it's too te- if you start that like slippery slope, it's too tempting to be like, ah, you know, they're having just an easier time than I want them to have with this fight, so I'll fudge a couple rolls, and yeah. then you know, before you know it, you're just you're just making stuff up. I I will throw out there for the. For the people that are playing at home with their groups, if you're Game Master and you are fine with doing the occasional fudge dice roll, that's completely on you. That's GM Fiat. That's if you're if you're a narrative storyteller and you're trying to tell a story, then that's a tool at your own disposal. It's not a tool that I use, but I'm not gonna judge anyone else from choosing for choosing to use it. I want you guys to succeed, but I want you to earn it. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say it, it because it, it does kind of cheapen it. it. Like even if I'm the only one who's gonna know, I'm gonna know that I kind of cheapened that victory for the party. Well, it takes away the fairness of the game too. Yeah. 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 Well, and it, it was interesting. And we were asked this question. A shout out to some of the guys from the Hideous Laughter podcast, which we got to meet while we were up at PaizoCon. But we're asked. I was asked the question about gymming at a table with my wife. Um, no, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I do not get special treatment. <laughs> I was say sometimes and, you get unspecial treatment. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, no, Although I don't think Rick has ever killed Rachel's character. No, Rachel I makes have, the wiliest of characters. Uh, I have come very close on multiple occasions. Her, her usually, fighter, I tried on innumerable occasions. Yeah. If it wasn't for Jessica, if it wasn't for you, I would be dead. Battle oracles, guys, play yeah. them. They're wonderful. Um, uh, but I, I was asked that question. That's part of the reason, again, why I don't fudge is I don't want my, you know, my personal friendships or my relationship or even a bias if someone, you know, annoys me or something the day before to influence how I'm going to run my game. I find yeah. that the dice are just, yeah, the dice gods are cruel, but just. That's so yeah, fun point. questions, though. All right. Next email from James in Oakland. 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 Oakland, California, I assume. Um, I was about to say, Oakland trees, tree lands, somewhere with trees. 
He could uh, be from Keonan. Oh, uh, oh Keonan. The only thing I know about Oakland is that, and this is rare because I actually know very little sports fact, is it is the home of the Oakland Raiders. So and pirates. there's your sports fact for all <laughs> those people That's the who only thing sports. that I know about Oakland. Soddenland. <laughs> or Keonan. Yeah, Keonan is I like Keonan. Oh, yeah. Keonan. Keonan's good. Keonan with the you elves. You can be from Keonan. Castrovel with the elves. <laughs> Oakland's a... Isn't Castroville a planet, though? That's yes. where the elves are, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oakland's in the Golden Bay area, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, eh, Keonan it is. Fine. Keonan. It's close to Redwoods. Give the elves some love. All right. Let me start by saying how much I love the show. I started listening three weeks ago, and I just got to episode 50. I've recommended you to all the nerds at Dr. Games and Mr. Games. Yeah. No, Docs. That. I've recommended you to all the nerds at Dr. Comics and Mr. Games, my friendly local game store. Cool. Aww, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's a neat allusion to like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like that's uh, a nice name. Yeah. That's neat. We'll hey. to, if we ever make our way out to Oakland, we'll have to check it out. Yep. A little background before my question. I started playing Pathfinder late last year. I actually started with Starfinder after coming over from 5e. Hmm. I've got a Dead Suns game and a Ruins of Aslant game going now. Both good adventure paths. I've noticed that Pathfinder adventure path books are a lot longer than the Starfinder ones, almost 30 pages. And the adventures themselves take longer to play. We average six weeks for a Starfinder book and nine weeks for a Pathfinder one. Here's my question. Do you think Pathfinder Adventure Path books are too long? Would you like it if they ran faster like Starfinder where you can finish an Adventure Path in under a year? And just to cover bases, if you don't think they're too long, would you like them to be longer? Thanks for all the hard work and all the wonderful moments. P.S. Jordan, I'm sorry about the eye, but at least you got a cool title out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, Last eye of Raw. Are Thank the you. books too long or too short? I don't really think so. I actually think the adventure paths are a good length. Sometimes. It depends on the story. Like, sometimes, every now and then, there's a book that feels like filler. Yeah. I think it. a lot of it boils down to, to the writing. And yep. thankfully, Paizo has some pretty yep. amazing writers. It's rare that you get into a book that you're just like, oh, my God, come on. And when it happens, sometimes I feel like it's it it's unintentional. Like there was other stuff that was supposed to happen that maybe didn't. Or, you know, it's all about how your characters play through the story, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, there's, the, there's a lot of factors. The, the and, and we've actually gone to PaizoCon and, and asked some stuff about the uh, adventure paths. And I remember when Starfire was coming out, they said... One of the things that they were kind of experimenting with in Starfinder was the idea of more compact stories um, in order to tell different types of stories that they couldn't tell in six books. Like maybe they had a story that was really great that would fit in four books worth of content. And they were like, we could pad it out to six, but we don't really want to. And so Starfinder has, you know, some shorter adventures because... They, you know, they compartmentalized it down to here's something that we want to tell that is not a, a grand, awesome six book story, but is something that maybe is a three book story. Yeah. And well, I think that that in some cases is really beneficial. And the Starfinder combat is quicker than Pathfinder combat, isn't it? I, I, it actually takes more rounds usually yeah. to run through. But so going through an individual action is faster. I'm the, just thinking like when we get into higher level play in Pathfinder, that like explodes yeah. into... yeah. Time. Part of the optical illusion, I think, with the page count in Starfinder is the fact that the, the stat blocks in Starfinder are a lot more condensed. Mm -hmm. So you actually get more words of the adventure per book than you do in Pathfinder because the stat blocks, in, especially once you're getting into like book six, you can and have it, a stat yeah. block that takes up a full page. Yep. So the stat blocks are just larger in Pathfinder. Uh, Pacing-wise, I think Pathfinder generally has really good pacing. 
I agree with, with Rachel that there are the occasional adventure books where either the pacing doesn't work for me or the adventure just feels long. The only one that immediately springs to mind is, uh, I wouldn't really consider this a spoiler, but uh, book four for Curse of the Crimson Throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, a History of Ashes. And some of that might have been, it was just such a large departure from what the story had been up until that point. Yeah. And that's no beef against Michael Cortez, who's a phenomenal writer. He wrote book one of uh, Carrying Crown, The Haunting mm-hmm. of Harrowstone. That's a good book. That was which good was book. a great book yeah. and yeah. extraordinarily well paced. I think it was just, every once in a while I run into a thing and I'm, I want to get through this part of the story to get to the next interesting yeah. part Book of the five story. Five Serpent Skull. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I think I think Paizo does a good job of making the adventures as long as it's necessary to tell the story. I think sometimes that they have to sacrifice certain things. Uh, famously, also going back to Curse of the Crimson Throne, the sheer amount of the Greg Vaughn's material that they had mm-hmm. to cut from the Greg Vaughn book yep. to make it fit into an adventure path book that they added back in for the special edition. I think the stories. Or Pathfinder could run a little faster, and I'm interested to see what they're going to do with second edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I like about second edition combat is the combat is faster, um, or at least feels faster. So I'm I'm curious to see if that actually changes pacing as far as um, you know dungeon design and and overall encounter design because um, part of the problem, especially at higher levels, is and we're kind of running into this right now with some of our other adventures we're hiring, is sometimes by the time you, you can start summoning in higher level ele- things and you get leadership and you've got all these other characters on the board, suddenly combat can start taking a good two, three hours for a single encounter. And so I'll be curious to see if like second edition kind of helps streamline that a little bit at the higher level play because that is something that I, I feel like maybe gets factored in a little bit is the idea that like, okay, there's only so many fights you can do in, call it nine weeks worth of content. Yeah, if we if we take like you know, there's a consistent amount of like pacing that you pull in. So, and Night Wink's not a, a bad. It's estimate. pretty decent. It's a, yeah, it's pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good clip. And fin- finishing an adventure path book for Starfinder in six weeks is actually pretty freaking yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so James, you must have a, a very regular group that's dedicated to finish up and, and, and efficient because I know that we yeah because yeah, we've got a, a group that we play uh, especially very, if they've been playing for less than a year. Yeah, because yeah, like we play very infrequently with a group. Kudos on you guys for like staying focused and and getting through it because it is it is a huge commitment to do an adventure path. So I guess uh, rapid fire to answer that real quick. Jess, too long, too short, perfect. Mm, depends on the story. Depends on the story. Jordan? Uh, depends on the story. Depends yeah. on the story. Rachel? Depends on the story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really does depend on the story. Yeah. <laughs> Universal consensus. I will give a definitive answer. I'd be happy if Paizo gave me more material for anything. So if they wanted to make them 120 pages, I would do every one of them with 120 pages. Yeah, that's fair. Although, actually, I will say, and this isn't going to apply to second edition, but uh, I wouldn't mind them. They had to make all of the adventures slightly longer for Return of the Rune Lords and to get to 20th level. So I actually wouldn't mind if all of the adventures were slightly longer to get all the characters to 20th level by the end of each adventure. That is one of the weird things that I've noticed. Like, we've had some games where characters are, like, almost 18th or 19th level when we finish, and then other campaigns where we're, like, 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so... I'm looking forward to the more consistent. You're going to hit 20th level I mean, in every that, single. They adventure say with second, path edition, second edition, every adventure path should take you to 20th level. So Ooh. cool. Well, that's all we have. Oh, for you. Cast of a deity. Cast that deity. Not only are we casting gods, but we're also sharing knowledge. Oh yes. boy, it's edutainment. All right, what are we rolling? Did you just call it edutainment? Yes. Oh my god. Edumication and entertainment. Edutainment. All right, so let's go ahead and get Jessica to roll us a d10. 
Five. Five. Oh. oh this is going to be a good one. Aren't they all good ones, though? No. Some of them are evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. All right. Have a high five. Yeah. Have a high five. There you go. But Follow this learn. one is also a personal favorite for the group. Today, okay. we're going to be casting... Desna, oh, the nice. Song of the Spheres, the goddess of dreams, luck, stars, and travelers. I cast Mothra. <laughs> Desna is an impulsive and aloof goddess who delights in freedom, discovery, and mystery. Her aloofness stems not from arrogance, but from her confidence in her own abilities and her desire to be unburdened by troubles. She is a collection of contrasts, an ancient goddess who dislikes predicting the future, a traveler who cares nothing for her destination a carefree creature of instinct haunted by a past stretching back aeons, and a peaceful deity forced to battle with old enemies, eternally young despite the weight of ages and stars upon her. Some believe Desna is flighty and frivolous and easily distracted, but she has a cold side born of lost tragedy and battle. As a luck goddess, she always believes that there's a chance for success, but knows that dreams can turn into nightmares and bright destinies can become dark fates. These opposites in her own nature define her and give her things to strive against. She challenges those who would corrupt her domain or who have wronged her friends or followers, striking at them with burning starlight, bad luck, and, the, and energies alien to Galarian. So, Desna usually appears to her followers as a beautiful but remote elven acolyte of her faith. In this guise, she aids people in need and suggests relevant excerpts from her holy writings, the Eight Scrolls, as a way to lead the faithful on correct paths. She is not above... Uh, singing to lighten dour moods, or dancing with those whose confidence is in need of re reinvigoration. Uh, when Desna wishes to reveal her true nature, he, she transforms her common clothing into billowing silken gowns and grows brightly colored butterfly wings on her back, although in somber situations, her wings, wing colors are pale and moth-like. So, usually depicted as an elven woman with dark hair and butterfly wings. Okay. I actually have one for this one. I don't really I, have I do one. Too, All yeah. I have is Mothra. <laughs> Can I go first for once? Because I actually have an idea. No. Sure. I have an idea. I want to go first. I never I never have ideas. Neither do I. Usually when it's my turn, you guys skip me. So I have an idea this time. Haha. -ha. I don't skip you. You ask me for my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's got her list of like 20 people already. I yep. Four. I marked off two. <laughs> Goodness. Can I go? I said yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to pick Tilda Swinton. Oh, nice. Tilda Swinton, nice one. Yeah. I just think she has that ethereal look. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Who's next? No, I certainly agree. I, yeah. can, I can see Tilda Swinton for the role. Uh, okay, so for mine, I'm going to go, and this is because, for some reason, this has kind of been in my head every time I think of Desna, Liv Tyler. Huh. Yeah. Well, it's like she's got that kind of elven features. Yeah, if, if you're looking at a... Someone that looks elven, I think you can't go wrong with Liv Tyler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, she, just... she was an elf in those, you know, low-budget fantasy movies that nobody ever saw. Yeah, I know. I, that, <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad because I'm like, it feels a little bit like typecasting to be like, hey, you're, one of your you know, biggest roles is being an elf. Why don't you be See, an elven butterfly lady? I had two because I always have one before the description and then I have one after the description. Oh, interesting. Okay, so before I got the description of what she was supposed to look like, I picked Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri. Huh. <laughs> because what are those? <laughs> <laughs> because she's just kind of mischievous, but she'll fight if she needs to, but she's also kind of got this otherworldliness. I really like her. And then after I read the description, I was like, Kira Knightley. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. Funny enough, uh, uh, Natalie Portman was on my list for a little bit, so Kira <laughs> Knightley and Natalie Portman could face off, but... Uh, 
I guess for my casting, and maybe this is a little bit more of just the the night side of her and just the beauty and energy, but also like the weight and the the loss that she's endured. Ava Green. Oh, oh. she's interesting. I, I just, okay. I, well, I love her in pretty much everything she does, but she also has that, she can do a lot of high energy, but she can also be that serious, but still like benevolent kind of a... Uh, what was the movie that she was in with the, that was based on the kids' book series? Miss Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Yeah, so, you know, kind of her portrayal on that where she was both, you know, a little stern, but at the same time very mischievous and playful. Yeah, true. I was going to go with Elizabeth Olsen. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh nice one. I could one. see that. Yeah. She's got yeah. kind of interesting features, and she can be both excited and, and light, but also super dark. Yeah. So that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's funny how many people we pick from like the Marvel Universe. Right? My, <laughs> well, they do cast the best. Yeah, my 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 the, backup if somebody Disney has consumed all of the actors. <laughs> my backup uh, was. But yeah, my, my backup if uh, if somebody else had picked Love Tyler was I was gonna go with Tessa Thompson. Oh, yeah. she's fun. Yeah, because yeah, she's fun too. Elvin. I and... like Tilda Swinton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tilda Swinton is interesting. I, Tilda Swinton might be a good Gozra. Oh, I this, could yeah, see this that. is a tough one. I to... could also see her as a Kalistra. Oh, true. All right. Anyway, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Tilda Swinton. I yeah. I don't. I don't have a strong opinion. Elizabeth I mean, they're I'd all be good. To give they're it all to good to, uh, choices. Eva Green's I mean, I like pretty good. Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. I do like Elizabeth Olsen. Um, I love Ava Green and basically everything. I I was actually surprised that Rachel wasn't going to say it because I was looking at my backup because I was like Rachel might go for Ava Green because I know. But see, I, I don't five. know because. I don't picture her very elvish. She's not lighthearted. Yeah, she she's my little goth queen, and that's why I love her. And I don't picture Desna very gothy. I don't know. Moon, darkness. Moon, yeah, I know, darkness. But it, it's freaking moths that are. Because pre- I, now I picture Mothra and she was all like, oh, sorry. Her mentor <laughs> was ripped apart by a demon from our. Sorry, a demon prince, which she had to battle her way through the abyss to go and slay single handedly. Desna. Well, see, that's why I kind of liked Kira Knightley. Because then I pictured her from like King Arthur when she's all dressed up like the Woad Warrior and mm-hmm. she's like kicking butt. I'm like, yeah. Nightly. My mind always goes Pirates of the Caribbean. But. True. That's true, Although too. She was also, she was also awesome in Pirates of the Caribbean. She was also Domino, where she played an assassin. I didn't like, see that, though. Yeah, Kira Knightley's great. Kira Knightley's got range. Anyway, yeah. I guess that's it. Have a nice day. You want to vote for Tilda Swinton. <laughs> you want to vote for the one that moves your heart or whatever. Follow your um, heart. Bye-bye. That's what would do. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. See you oh, later. Is your, Path folk. Oh, is that, oh, is that, yeah. that that's your sign-off? That's my bye-bye. Bye, Pat Folk. See you next time. Yeah, thank you all so much for uh, tuning in for another session. And hopefully... uh, We all don't die. You guys got to go run through the desert real quick. (laughs) Hopefully next next, uh, after party, we're not discussing the new characters at (laughs) (laughs) Jordan. Hey, uh, follow up to uh, that question we just got. (laughs) (laughs) Do I kill characters? Yes, yes. We'll find out in three weeks. Now we'll just find out how many. (laughs) Yes, I do. Well, you guys are going to get TPK'd. If you, anything, you're going to come back to on yours and secure, or on yours and citrus dead things. bodies. We could run into any number of things. They come running in. Oh.